One in particular, I think, affects a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs. And that's that point of reflection where you've got to move from theory to reality. And it's like, especially when you're starting a business, you have this idea about how you're going to do it different and you're going to do it better. And the world's not ready for what you're bringing. And, you know, in my case, fast forward nine months and I'd never cut a profit check. And so understanding that there's this difference between theoretical business and the real world, how to be an entrepreneur, run a business was a huge part for me. Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. As leaders, you have the ability to design and lead culture intentionally. Hear from culture leaders who are moving from a values list to values lived. Hey leaders, welcome back to the Build Your Culture Brand podcast. I have with me today, Daniel and Chris Liberatore. Daniel is from Chick-fil-A Blairsville, Georgia. Chris is from Cleveland, Georgia, just a few miles away from there and is owner operator in Cleveland. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Dr. Reigns. So we'll get into uh, your stories here in just a minute, but just kind of help everyone get to know you a little bit better. I like to ask this question, since this is a leadership podcast, uh, and either of you can go first. So what is your leadership superpower, if you had a superpower, and then what would be the opposite, the kryptonite? I think my superpower, Jay, would be uh, I I admit when I'm wrong um, quickly and pretty emphatically, um, I, and and I do make a lot of mistakes, and I uh, so I'm I'm kind of a become a perfectionist at at admitting when I'm wrong over the years, but um, I just found that it builds a lot of trust and credibility with my leaders, uh, and also I do it as a father too. I think with my kids, it's really important to teach them uh, that we're not all perfect and we all make mistakes. Uh, but the most important part of that is admitting when we do make those mistakes and um, moving on and learning from those mistakes. Okay. Um, okay. Kryptonite. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a fun question. Um, you know, I think for me, it is not being super patient with my, uh, my leaders in the restaurant um, at times when um I, I, I give a, a task or a directive or, or put out something for us to accomplish and they don't do it as quickly as I envision it. Um, I think I lose a lot of patience in some of those moments when I feel that, you know, it be, could be done um, more efficiently or a little bit, a bit quicker in the moment. So um, I tend to lose my patience. You know, it, it's as you said that one of the things that jumps out to me is that you're quick to do both. Right. So it sounds like you're, you know, Part of your nature is to move at a fast pace. So quick to apologize, but also, you know, quick to have expectations. So that's interesting those, how those play together. Chris, how about you? What, what would be your superpower in kryptonite? You know, I'll start with the kryptonite because I think this is where the brotherly connection comes in is I cannot stand repeating myself. If I have to tell my leader something more than once, it feels like abject failure. I know it's not that, but just how I handle having to repeat the same conversations over and over, it just, it, it's my weakness. Um, from a strength side, I would say I take a metacognitive approach to leadership. Um, and so I'm constantly thinking about how I'm processing and interpreting situations. And that's allowed me, if I can think about how I think, I can learn quick, I can absorb 
new information, new insights, new perspectives much faster. Um, and that's helped me evolve and adapt as a leader quicker. There you go. All right. So just that, and that quick adapting is really a powerful superpower. So it's interesting, you know, your your two brothers and y'all are uh, just how many months apart are you? Are the two of you? Thirteen months and three days. Okay, All right. And he likes to remind me that. <laughs> and I, I'm the oldest. And, and he likes to remind you that he's the oldest, right? Okay, good deal. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how how your lives have paralleled a bit. I know you've both been in in Chick Fil A for for quite a few years, starting out as team members. Um, you know, tell tell a little bit of that story about how you both got into Chick-fil-A. And Chris, maybe you could start. Uh, the easy answer is I got into Chick-fil-A because my brother convinced me to start with Chick-fil-A. Uh, 19 years ago, he was already with Chick-fil-A. And I moved uh, into living with him in an apartment for college and was looking for a job. And he was able to set that up. Um that was just part-time through college. After graduating, my first day full-time with Chick-fil-A was actually his birthday. So it's easy to remember the, the date, uh, August 14th, 2006. And um, that was with an operator for about three years. Then I did a stint working for Chick-fil-A corporate before I became a owner-operator 12 years ago. And so I've been a franchisee now for the last 12 years, currently in my second restaurant. All right. And Daniel, which operator was that you invited him to to work with? Yeah, so we worked for Shane Todd in Athens, Georgia. Okay. Um, that was at the, the Beachwood location there in Athens. So, Shout out to Shane. Shane, what's up? <laughs> Good deal. Well, I, I want to fast forward a little bit to an amazing story that happened. Y'all were both, I think, Daniel, you were at a, a DTO in a, a drive, that means drive through only there in Florida. And I think, Chris, you were at, I think, a mall in Tennessee and y'all were looking to make a move. Um, Daniel, you might want to start this story, but tell a little bit about uh, some, you know, all the things that came together for y'all for your last move. Yeah. So I was at a, uh, a Myrtle Beach uh, drive through location. My wife and I had our oldest son and we were looking to relocate back closer to family. Our family lives in Georgia and um, we had been um, looking at a couple locations in Georgia and uh, honed in on Blairsville uh, here in North Georgia. We had gone through the whole process. We came and visited and we felt very strongly, very convicted that this was this was it. This is where we wanted to be. Uh, there was another location in Cleveland that we had looked at briefly. Um, we, we felt Blairsville was going to be a better fit for our family. Um, and that kind of ties into the story. But um, so... Went after Blairsville hard with interviews and, and uh, uh, I'll never forget just uh, we were I was actually setting up for a, a Young Life banquet one evening and I got the call from the, con the selection consultant. And, um, you know, it's, when that name pops up on the phone, you always know, OK, here it is. This is the time. This is the moment of uh, it's either going to be a yes or a no of what's next in our in our journey. So um, thankfully and, and through a lot of prayer, we got the yes that we we're going to be we got selected for the Blairsville location and. Um, we were ecstatic and, and, uh, we celebrated, um, but at the end of that phone call, what was really cool is, um, so Mike Hensley was the selection consultant that made that call for me. He says, Hey man, you know, we want to, um, tell you something that we don't normally tell other operators, but we feel this is a kind of a, a neat situation, a cool situation that 
your brother, we're going to select him for the Cleveland location, which, like I mentioned earlier, was the other location that we looked at briefly. And um, and I know Chris had, uh, you know, been heavily attracted to that location, too, and gone through interviews as well. And he was waiting on that same phone call around the same time I was. Um, and so I said, oh, that's awesome, man. That's great. I'm so glad you told me. And he said, hey, but we want to go a step further. We want you to be a part of that phone call. Um, and so um, I, I was kind of lost for words at the moment and, and shocked that they would even even allow that. Um, but he said, yeah, this, this is kind of a first that we've ever done in the company, um, or that he's at least ever been a part of anyway. And I uh, thought it'd be a cool moment for us. So um, fast forward a few minutes later, we, we got on uh, a, a three-way call. I'll let Chris explain the kind of the, the nuance of the conference call there. But uh, we got on the call and, and I had called uh, my brother and, and I'll let him take it from here. So yeah, so we had gone through the relocation process a couple times and had made the finalist in each application, but had not been selected yet. And so this was another one of those phone calls where we knew what the outcome was going to be. Like Dan said, it was going to be uh, a journey um, that we were getting a direction at this point. And so Mike Kensley calls, but the signal was really bad. And so then right after uh, that call got dropped, Dan calls. I said, hey, I appreciate you calling. I'll call you back later. And I hung up on him. And then he calls back again, maybe 10 seconds later. I'm like, look, I can't talk right now. I just dropped a call with Mike. I think he's going to tell me one way or another about the restaurant. We're feeling really good about this. We just have a piece. And I'm like, I can't talk. So I hang up again. And he calls back. I mean, he was just being relentless, constantly calling me when I kept telling him I was busy. And before I could even get a word out, he's like, Chris. Let me talk. He's like, hey, I want to talk to you. I'm like, I just told you Mike's just dropped a call. He's like, I want to talk to you with Mike. And he's like, let me connect us three way. So then I'm on the phone. I'm kind of I have it on speakerphone because my wife's right there with me. And we're both a little bit confused. Like, right. Why is Dan on the phone with Mike? And um, Mike came on and offered us the restaurant with Dan there. And it was just a really good celebration. because We've been going through our careers together. Um, so it, it was a really fun time. Yeah, and it, was, it was an awesome moment. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't even stop there. So we got selected for two restaurants that were grand opening on the exact same day. And oh, so man. we got to receive notice of our stores together on the same day. And then we opened the stores on the same day. Oh my goodness. Wow. Talk about excitement and stress all wrapped up into one. I mean, all the moving and setting up and oh, what a tremendous time, but good for y'all. Congratulations. And what a great story of how, how that worked out to parallel together. Of course, I'll add one more moment to that too. So we ended up getting on another quick call with our, our parents uh, shortly after that, um, that same evening. And of course our mom and dad, especially our mom was just over the moon ecstatic and ready for us to, to sort of come home because we were yeah. we were uh moving back closer to family so how has that helped to be brothers and operators at the same time so i'd say there's really been two big parts of this journey um one is you know dan and i we grew up in the same household we were college roommates going to the same university we work for the same operator but we run our stores completely different just because we're wired different and so what it's allowed to do is the areas that I'm weak in, he actually is naturally strong in and vice versa. 
So we're able to work together that if I'm kind of butting my head up against an, an issue or a problem, I can reach out to him and engage him and he helps me see it from a different angle. And then I do the same for him. It also allows us to send some of our leaders to just spend some time with the other. And that way, our leaders are getting various perspectives on their development and on business in general. So I think our strengths and weaknesses have paired up well together to where if only we could run one organization together, it'd be great. Um, The second side of it is being an entrepreneur brings different stressors to our lives than being a standard employee. Everything from just role ambiguity to financial pressures to the unrelenting nature of always being on. And so having a stress release area of just basically a valve to vent at times and just somebody who can understand what you're going through and talk about it, it has been unbelievable valuable to just keep us grounded and prevent burnout. So those are the two big ones for me. Yeah, I echo 100% everything Chris said. I'll just add to to the fact that, again, we're brothers, we've known each other our, our entire lives, and there's just this um, natural trust factor that we have with each other that we can literally call about anything, any time of the day, you know, whenever, whatever it is, um, and trust that the other one is going to listen, first of all, and and speak some truth back into our, our lives, um, maybe um, bring up some things that we're not even thinking about in the moment um, that we may have overlooked in, in a scenario with a leader or even even our families, um, team members, or whatever the case may be. But I think that that trust factor is huge. And, and you know, it's, I have a lot of operator friends um, that I, I do also talk to a lot and vent to some, but none nearly as much as I do from a trust standpoint as I do, as I do with Chris. Trust is powerful. And uh, so it's good that you have each other to, to lean on and, and probably share a little bit more of the behind the scenes that it might be harder to share with even other operators. So I can see how that, that would really accelerate your ability to share and not feel so alone. It, it is a, as I've talked to operators around the country, you know, it, it's a, it becomes a lonely spot pretty easily and you have to work very hard to keep it from become, from being lonely. So good for y'all. Yeah. There's a level of, uh, I'd say vulnerability that you gotta have to have some of these conversations. And it's hard to be vulnerable with people that you think might be judging you or might have influence on future career situations. And so just having somebody that you can be true with, be honest with, no facade, like this is me, this is my real life, this is literally what I am dealing with. Um, That's a legitimate benefit to our careers, having each other that way. You know, that might be a takeaway for listeners is to think, okay, who who should I have or who could I have or who do I have in my life that I can be absolutely vulnerable with who, you know, it's not going to adversely affect me in the future. It's not going to hurt my, you know, any kind of other opportunity. Who can I be truly vulnerable with? And and you're seeing that as a really big value in your, in your business. Are y'all competitive at all? I mean, is there a competitive spirit between the two of y'all ever? No. No, no. <laughs> what does that word even mean? Right. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about being 13 months apart, like we mentioned, is we grew up doing everything together. And so there's, I mean, from sports teams and little league to high school sports to, like I mentioned, college roommates taking classes together, you just kind of get an ingrained competitiveness when it's your own brother. There you go. 
does that give you a, an extra edge to be a bit competitive? I say in business is interesting because the competition's different in the sense of what he does doesn't affect me. Um, so there's not this competitiveness in terms of me versus him, but we do have this parallel. It's almost like how fast can we run? Um, where it's more of working on our races and our business. And the competition is about efficiency and effectiveness as entrepreneurs, I guess, is the best way I could put it. Yeah. And maybe maybe that competition question can come up more throughout this discussion. Um, there's one, there are a couple of stories, I, as I talked to you earlier, I picked up on a couple of stories. What were some of those leadership growth points for each of you? Share an inflection point where you feel like there was a moment in time where you took a leap forward as a leader or an inflection point where things really changed for you. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell a story that I think we talked about previously, and, and I think this is a story for both of our moments for both of us, I believe. I hired him when we were in college, and when I graduated college, I went on to a different career in real estate, and he continued uh, pursuing Chick-fil-A back in, in Athens, staying in Athens. Um, and then it's funny how uh, full circle it came where he actually recruited me back to work at the same um, same restaurant with Shane a few years later after graduation. And so when I got back in, in Athens and I'd been removed from the business for a couple of years, been removed from just operations and everything. But um, he, he was the, the general manager at one of the locations there in Athens that Shane had a couple of, of locations. And um, I never forget. And, and I think we both tell the story very uh, very similarly, but uh, I'm sure he has different moments and perspectives than I do on it. But um, literally within the first couple of months of, of me coming back, and again, I'm just a um, just a, a, a night manager and I'm working, just trying to get my, move my way back into the business and learn, learn the business again. But one of, one of our uh, uh, managers brought me in and said, Hey, I need your help with, with your brother. And, um, <clears throat> and I, at first I was confused why he's asking me. Cause you know, Chris is the general manager of this, of this restaurant. And I'm wondering why he's asking me. And he said, I, I need, you know, your brother better than anybody else. And, and he needs uh, somebody there that, um, back to the comment earlier about it's not going to be judgmental and just needs to speak some truth into him. And so uh, Chris was having some, some uh, moments with um, uh, trying to demand some results from some people and, and not going about it. I think the way that, um, that our boss wanted us to wanted him to. And so. Let me uh, interject real quick. He's saying it nicely. People hated working with me. Let's get, say it a little more honestly. Okay. <laughs> Straight up. Um. Straight up, there's there's the bluntness, but so yes, and so so Sullivan asked me to come in and, and help, uh, you know, be there in the conversation and talk through and uh, some some moments and um, be a sounding board and, and a truth teller to Chris in that moment. Um, and so we had this conversation, and, and I think uh, Sullivan ends up leaving the conversation pretty quickly, and just just me and Chris in this in this talk, but. Um, I'll let Chris kind of share that his side of it. But for me, back to your question, Jay, um, that was a moment of, of, uh, of, of st- stress, I guess, high stress. Cause I, I didn't know exactly what to do in the moment. I had to kind of learn through it in the moment. Um, but it taught me a lot of how to handle those situations that, that we're not always prepared for what's going to be thrown our way. Um, we don't always get, 
uh, a pre-recording session or, or, you know, these moments to, to practice our, our speech or practice our dialogue with somebody or something. Um, and so it taught me how to um, navigate through some tough conversations. Um, and then it, it humbled me quite a bit being asked to be that person in that moment. Um, and so that, for me, that was a moment in my leadership journey that, that sort of propelled me to, to overcome some, some fears even and, and move forward and um, kind of learn how to navigate those situations. All right. And some of that was at Chris's expense. So Chris, tell your side, what was going on with you? You know, so the experience I have with leaders prior to working with Chick-fil-A was very much you led via um, fear, via volume, via you do what I say or you're fired type. And so the way that I approached running the business was very mechanical. And it was, here's the job, here's the systems, do it or get out of my way. Uh, apparently, people aren't um, engaged in that system and in that model of business. Who would have known? Um, so Dan sat me down, basically said, hey, people don't like working with you and you pretty much need to figure it out or you need to find another career. Um, this is a people business. We might sell chicken, but it is a people business. And so Dan helped me that day put people back in business models for me and how I was going to do things. And it was a journey. Um, you know, interpersonal sensitivity is a key component of entrepreneurship. And it's one that is a ongoing development because sometimes it's just in my nature to revert back to the mechanical style of business. And so I've found, um, and a lot of it is that hinge point from or pivot point from that conversation is I've got to surround people, surround me myself with people who are personal um, type leaders, relationship type leaders to help counterbalance some of my bluntness, so to speak. Um, and then I also need to be aware of what I'm doing and what I'm saying. So that, that was a big one for me, um, that story that Dan shared. Um, yeah, I, I would like to say I influenced him that day, giving him some experience about how to have those tough talks too, you know? It, it was a win-win for both of us. Win-win. Well, no, and it, and it was. No, it definitely was. And I, and I think this is a perfect example of this, you know, saying or or, or definition of, of relationships and results. I mean, uh, of kind of, you know, every leader has kind of leans one way or the other. Um, and so just from a personality standpoint and, Chris is very results minded. I'm very relationship people minded. And so, and that's, and I, and I, looking back, and that's part of why Sullivan asked me to do it is that I understood that side of it a little bit more than Chris did in the moment. Um, and so I was able to, to leverage that strength of mine and build off that um, and, and kind of speak some truth into him for that. But over the years, you know, because of Chris's results minded um view on things, I'm able to learn from him as well on that side of things. Just kind of sharing some pivots points or pivot stories. I think there's one more that stands out to me and there's a few, but one in particular, I think affects a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs. And that's that point of reflection where you've got to move from theory to reality. And it's like, especially when you're starting a business, you have this idea about how you're going to do it different and you're going to do it better. And the world's not ready for what you're bringing. And, you know, in my case, fast forward nine months and I'd never cut a profit check. And so understanding that there's this difference between theoretical business and the real world, how to be an entrepreneur, run a business was a huge part for me. That's really good. Dive into that a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about what was going on with that nine months, no profit check. 
what what do you feel like got you over the that first hump you know it was interesting um i would every month and i'd do what we did in the business and the bulk of it was like i'm building a business i'm investing in talent i'm investing in marketing and i'm spending everything um there there was no profit check to talk about um, and the thing that got over the hump was honestly, um, my wife and I having our first child, because I remember coming home one day and looking at my wife and my daughter and just saying, all right, I can't keep building. I got to start doing. And so all of the things that I had written off as investments for the future, if they weren't paying off, then they're expenses. They're not investments. And I had to start figuring out strategically how to delineate between the two. And the motivation was my family. It's like, it's one thing if I'm hungry. It's another thing if my newborn daughter gets hungry. Um, and so it was a catalyst for me to start getting into the real world and facing the results of my decisions. You know, Chris, you're not the first operator that's that's actually talked about the birth of a child changing how they do business, That especially in those early days of being an owner operator. So that, that's really fascinating. So what a motivator though, was there any particular investment that, that actually was an investment that you could move from expense to investment calling? Um, so I think the big thing for me that I was looking at was I struggled to understand. So if you think about it from the basic accounting principle, sales minus expenses equals profits, right? But functionally, if you run your business that way, it leads your profits as the leftover crumbs. And so we had to start looking at it as revenues coming in are profits. Then we had to determine how those things get in, um, spent, either declared as profits, which is ultimately is a big goal of business, or put into the business in the customers to produce future return guests. And anything that was flowing through that didn't motivate a guest to come back that was an expense and it wasn't an investment. So we started whittling away in our business from what can honestly be just considered wasteful spending um, and into things that affected whether or not a customer experienced something that created value for them where they were willing to come back. Um, the three big ones, honestly, were office supplies. I mean, we were investing in so much technology that never made it to a customer. Um, and it was just fun stuff that new businesses had to have, right? Um, another one was training and developing. We were going all in on building the brand new employee up to a future operator. And the reality is, is 99% of our employees weren't going to pursue that path. So really scaling our investments relative to their goals, not what I wanted out of them. And then the third thing was marketing, that if I wasn't reaching my guest, it was an expense. I was doing a lot of marketing that ended up sending customers to other businesses, mostly other Chick-fil-A's. Um, the other Chick-fil-A's around me were very happy with my marketing plan. But I had to really understand my actual niche market and my customers and focus on them. The hope is in the journey. I mean, we, we keep throwing that term around in this talk, but... It's so easy to say, I'm going to feel different when we hit this revenues or we hit this tenure or we hit this staffing cycle. But there's always another thing coming up. There's always another customer. There's always another problem. There's always another challenger. Um, and so for the young entrepreneur, the young leader, understanding that it's the day-to-day the -day journey 
is what this is about because you're never going to quote unquote make it right. It's just, you go in and you go through. And then where I was saying piggybacks on what Dan was saying is you need to ask yourself, who do you want to do this journey with? Like journeys get lonely if you don't have people with you, whether it's your spouse or a sibling or a mentor or a cohort of other entrepreneurs, don't go at this alone. Enjoy it and have fun and just wake up every day excited about the next step. Great advice. Thank you both for joining me on the show. I'm I'm excited to to share this with the world. This is the first time we you know we've interviewed two people at the same time, and it was really fun to kind of have you know you two as brothers and and the interplay you have with each other. Thanks for sharing your story, and look forward to releasing this to the world. Jay, thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation to be on with the show. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment. See you next time. We would like to note that LeadersQ serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated.